Welcome back to Just Mel's Journey with Friends, the podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Cassie. Cassie talks about having chronic illnesses along with her mental health and just how that affects her in her day-to-day. So sit back, relax, and listen to Cassie's story. Cassie, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Hi, my name is Cassandra Gendron, but I go by Cassie. Um, I'm a 39-year-old female. I use she, her pronouns. Um, and... Do you want me to give my my illnesses now? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um. Most importantly, I was born with a chronic heart, a, a congenital heart de- defect, a VSD in the center of my heart, and a pulmonary stenosis in the pulmonary, pulmonic valve. I had experimental surgery when I was three uh, at Boston Children's Hospital to save my life to to expand the pulmonic valve, and my heart's functioning great. Um, but I also have other congenital issues such as cervical ribs, which leads me to have thoracic outlet syndrome and I am diabetic. Yeah. I was born with cervical ribs on C7, which are bone. They're not rare, but what it, what's rare about mine was the size. So some, a lot of people have cervical ribs and they're just small little like flat. So, um, you had the, it's rare because of the size. Yeah, I have fully formed bone there, and they're very large. In fact, my co- my chiropractor discovered them, and after five minutes of ho- saying "Holy cow!" while looking at my re- at my X ray, he finally explained to me that it was the largest pair of cervical ribs he's ever seen in his career. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um. So, with uh, do you, are there more that you have? Yeah, I have diabetes as well and uh, a whole slew of mental health problems. Okay. Um so to go back to um your the heart the experimental surgery that you had um yeah. what kind of do you obviously I'm assuming that you were a baby when all of that happened. Yes. Okay. Um do you have any um you said that your heart's working good now? Yes. I see a cardiologist once a year from Boston Children's Hospital, even though I'm 39. Uh, He comes to Bay State, uh, the the hospital in my area. And once a month, he has a clinic and I see him during that clinic. And his job is specifically to track people like me with my defects specifically. Um, And he has said that I was good when I was a baby when I came out of surgery. He says I'm good now, which is really good. So I only have to see him to check in once a year. And I have to take a pre-med before um, my dental appointments. Oh, yeah, antibiotic. Yeah, I have to take a bunch of antibiotics before I can go to a dentist or a tattoo or piercing. Um, I So I... I have a lot of tattoos and piercings, so I also premedicate for that too, just to be careful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, cervical ribs and all of those. Um, how does that affect your daily life? Um, it has made me a chronic pain sufferer, um, for sure. I've always had problems with them, but they didn't find them until I was 31. Oh my, so that's pretty recent. Yeah. And then at 32, I had surgery to remove one of them on the right side and my first rib on the right side because I developed something called thoracic outlet syndrome, where my brachial plexus nerve was getting compressed by the bone. Um, I was in a car accident that gave me whiplash that made us find the bones. And it finally explained like all the nerve pain that I was in for like my entire life. Oh, my Um, Yeah. 
do you think you're going to have to have more surgeries to remove some more of them? Or do you think it's right now you're just doing like the chiropractic and things like that to kind of help? Chiropractic massage and acupuncture because they will not do operations on my left side because I'm a lefty. Um, they, there's a too much high of a risk of damaging nerves to where I would lose function in my hand and my arms. So they do not want to do it because I'm a lefty. In fact, when I was at the thoracic surgeon's office, he was arguing with me about the surgery until he found out I was a lefty because he's like, I can't do this. Your right hand, you know, won't work your arm, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, that's good. Cause I'm a lefty. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, and then with your diabetes, are you type one or type two? I am type two. Um, I was probably undiagnosed diabetic for about seven years before I got my diagnosis because I didn't have steady health insurance and I refused to go to doctors. I had this thing up my butt about doctors and I refused to go and it was expensive. So I didn't have health insurance. So I had diabetes for about seven years before I was, um, diagnosed when I was 30. Um, I was immediately put on insulin and I was immediately, um, put on other, I was on four types of medications to get my, um, sugar under control. Now Mm -hmm. I'm only on two. I'm, I'm no, I'm on three. I'm, I'm on three, but my sugar is now under control, but sometimes it gets out of control because of my mental health getting out of control. It's kind of very connected. Oh, definitely. Um, when you talk about your mental health is, um, would you be willing to share some of the, um, things that you go through with your mental health? Absolutely. I am diagnosed bipolar one, diagnosed ADHD, not TikTok diagnosed, but like really doctor diagnosed ADHD um, and anxiety disorder, along with PTSD and CPTSD. Um, And that's a struggle every day to keep my emotions in check. Um, And the cycles of depression like lead to me eating poorly um, which interrupts my diabetes progress. Um, and it's kind of like an eating disorder, but I don't want to say I have an eating disorder because it's not diagnosed by a doctor, but, um, it, sometimes I use food to self-injure when I am depressed and it is really hard in depressive cycles to get out of them. But thankfully I have a really good team of prescribers and therapists, well, a therapist and a prescriber that really know me and um, are able to help me combat my cycles. I think that having a good support team is absolutely crucial with, I think with all chronic illnesses and especially when it comes to mental health, just because if you don't have a team that you can that you trust that you can speak to openly about all of those things. I think that it's really hard to be able to be open about the thoughts and feelings that you're having. Um, yeah. How long have you been dealing with um, your mental health? Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was 19. So 20 years. Yeah. I am a 20 year veteran of my bipolar one disorder. Are um, there any- oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, are there any, tips or tricks that you have that you could share with people that maybe, you know, have anxiety or depression or um, bipolar that you have learned throughout the years that kind of help you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously having a good team at your back is tantamount. It's paramount. But beyond that, being like for cycles, for instance, um, being aware that you're manic, being aware that you're depressed, being aware that it's your chemical malfunctions and not, I don't want to say not real because it's very much real, but it's not reality. But at the same time, it is reality because it's your reality. Um, But it, but it's not the reality beyond your bubble and you need to step outside your bubble and that can help cope. Um, DBT has been very helpful with the big emotions. Um, I need to actually, I've, I've slacked off on my DBT workbooks, so I need to get a new one and get working on that stuff. And for Um, someone that may not know what, um, is DBT just for someone that may not know. Yeah. Dialectical behavioral therapy. It's just like cognitive. It's, it's, it's a tool in your toolbox that you can use, um, to help regulate your emotions. Have you ever tried a EMDR therapy? I've tried flash. My therapist does not want me to, does not want to try EMDR. She knows she knows how to do EMDR with me, but she wants me to work with a more experienced practitioner because I have a tendency to dissociate. So oh. she doesn't want me to fly away in that process. Yeah, um, it, it's very easy to fly away in that process too. Yeah. It's it's intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to stay grounded in that process. So I have done a similar thing called flash. Now I have to give myself lots of injections because I have chronic migraines and I have diabetes and I have a constant glucose monitor. So, and I'm afraid of needles. So that's fun. But I used a a technique uh, called flash to help me lessen my anxiety around the needles. And I've been able to give myself my injections without anxiety attacks since then. That's awesome. I know. I had one huge anxiety attack after we did the flash session. And I was like, oh, this never worked. Blah, 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 blah. And then like right afterwards, I started having absolutely no problem with my uh, injections. I mean, I still have to do some deep breathing and like some centering and some grounding, but I can do them. And I film them and I put them on TikTok to to help others, even... Even struggling to put them on or even struggling to give myself a shot because it will help others. It definitely will. And I think that that's awesome that you'd be willing to share that because I know it's very, you know, pretty intimate because you are showing a part of your body and I know that it can be very stressful. So I'm very, that's awesome that you're, um, that you do that. Being a Spoonie is a full-time job on top of being a full, on top of being employed. Absolutely. It is. I'm always worried about my sick days. I'm always worried about how many sick days I get when I get a new job because I have so many doctor's appointments and like I just had to move three doctor's appointments so I could start the new job and two of them I could not move so I have to take off two days in the first two weeks of the new job. I really hope that your employer will understand because it's so important for you to be able to go to those and especially a lot of things when you have chronic illnesses you have to see a lot of specialists and you know, they don't have a lot of openings. So it's like, this is the only time that I can go. And I was just thinking, can you imagine if there was an employer that you could just put on the application, like Spoonie or something, and then you didn't have to worry about like sick days. Like you could just like, like, take could them, do, like a normal adult. <laughs> yes. And you could do all of your hours, like in your good days and then have like, you know, instead of having to be like Monday through Friday, eight to five, like, 
it would just be so nice to be able to be like, no, like I am sick these days and I don't need to give you a doctor's note because especially when you have chronic illnesses, if you went to the doctor every time you didn't feel good, it'd be like, hi, I'm here again. <laughs> like, Right. Like I would be there three, three times a week. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah, it would be nice if we could just check off that we were spoonies and need, needed a more flexible schedule. I mean, they do ask you if you're, de- you're disabled on some applications and I always make sure to check yes, because I am, but I always am afraid that I'm going to be discriminated against because I check those disabilities and because I'm open about those disabilities. And it stinks because they're always like, well, you can't be discriminated against. And it's like, obviously that's false because like they'll find a way, you know, around it. And it just doesn't feel like you can continue to be the, have the same. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into the medical gaslighting. Okay. This is fun. I have a couple stories. So where would you like me to start? You start wherever you'd like, and if I'm not responding, like, I'm still here, I may say, like, okay, like, I'm still listening, and I'm still, I just don't like to interrupt, so you start wherever, and I am here. All right, I'm going to start with my kidney stone, because this was probably the most traumatic thing I've ever gone through. Um, I, in August of 2016, I had, July and August of 2016, I had a UTI that would not die. It would just not go away. And I was in so much pain and I was using all the medication. I was going to the doctors and they were, they were giving me the medication. They were just like, take the, the stuff that turns your pee orange to make it feel better. Um, you'll be all right. Well, then I moved to across my state um, to go to grad school. And that September in Labor Day weekend, it was so bad. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't walk the pain. Oh, no. And of course, I'm a, I'm a chronic pain sufferer. So I'm doing this with a smile on my face, not moving, not walking, not breathing, just yeah. existing. Um, so I bring my happy butt to the ER because I finally can't take it anymore. Oh, come on, phone. Don't cut me off. So... I, fi- I, I go to the e- ER and I finally can't take it anymore. I got an Uber. I went to the ER. It was only about a mile from my house. While I was there, I was told that I was not in enough pain to have a kidney stone. And what? that I was, uh, yeah. And that I was not going to have a CAT scan. And that I clearly had an ovarian cyst. Now, trigger warning, uh, I'm about to talk about some some really nasty stuff. So they give me, they give me all sorts of, subject me to all sorts of internal exams up to and including an internal ultrasound. Oh no. Where this woman was trying to make small talk with me while she was in me. Um, and somehow it got out that I am a teacher and that I'm for the common core. And I'm at a Catholic hospital. So this woman starts ranting and raving about Jesus Christ and the common core and how she has a master's in science and can still be religious. Oh, my. All while she's still in me. That's like that. I understand they're trying to make small talk, but maybe not about that. Like, oh, my God, I started crying. And I was like, let's just get this exam over with, please. Yeah. 
and that's like a very like personal thing anyway and then to oh my goodness I'm so sorry yeah um and then they found a they did find an ovarian cyst but it wasn't even the size a size that would have caused my pains um but and they found a uterine fibroid which is bigger than my fist and explains a lot about my periods and how bad they were um but two days later i passed the damn kidney stone and i got a cat scan to see if there were more kidney stones did they find more no i've only had one kidney stone that i know of this and judging by the pain that i was in that was the only time i've ever had a kidney stone I just don't understand why doctors, when you say that you're in pain, even if you're a chronic pain patient, if you say that you're in pain, like, we know our bodies. We know what's normal. We know all of those things. And so it's like, just listen to us. Listen to what what the patient is saying. Exactly. And there was another time where I had a pinched nerve. Now, I've had a lot of trigger point injections around my head and neck. Um, to calm my occipital nerves and to calm um, the the nerves back there because I was getting really bad migraines um, and I get really bad migraines. So I had a pinched nerve back there and it went across my occipital nerve and the tissue around the occipital nerve swells, swelled. I called the only member of my healthcare team at that time that I could get a hold of was my massage therapist. So... Okay. Um, I call her and I get on her table and she starts doing her job and she feels my head and she goes, I'm really sorry, but I think I have to call 911. What? And I was like, why? She's like, you're so swollen. I've never seen this before. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. It gets worse. So she calls 911. They won't even let me lay down on the stretcher. They're like, no, you got to sit up. We don't trust any pressure on the back of your head or anything. We don't know what's doing that. Nothing. So this EMT brings me to Rhode Island Hospital and they put me in a corner with all the lights off uh, uh, with a bunch of gurneys. And they like literally completely forgot about me for four hours. Um, And the EMT that brought me there kept checking me. Because he kept saying, why are you still here? Why are you still here? And he kept checking my head to make sure the swelling was going down. And then I finally got a doctor four hours later. And they turned around and I was like, yeah, that doesn't happen. And I was like, what the do you mean it doesn't happen? It literally just happened to me. And I filmed it, too, because my face was going insane. Like, I literally, it's happening. So I don't know how you can tell me it's not happening yeah so they send me home and i talked to my pain management doctor like two or three days later about Um, you went to the um so you were at the pain management doctor yep and he said that he said that these were his exact words what you went through is absolutely a thing it's called neurogenic edema your nerve was pinched it got and the tissue around it got angry and that's what made but why yeah, and that's what made my, the, my head swell. But why didn't the doctors at the ER figure that out? Like, Because they don't deal, I don't know. They, they were young, and they were like, yeah, that doesn't happen. And I was like, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does, because it's literally happening to me right now. 
Yeah, like WTF. I <sighs> So um is that something that you've had to deal with like that um swelling and everything has that happened again since then? Yes. Oh my goodness. But not as intense of a degree because they were able to control it with some injections across the back of my head. What they did was they gave me uh, greater and lower occipital nerve blocks across the back of my skull. And that was medicine across like like a bunch of injections. And it felt like 40, but I know it wasn't 40, but it felt like 40 little metal balls just coming to bite the back of my my head when they did it. Um. Uh I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, especially having to go through all those different doctors and everything just to figure out, like, what's going on. And, yep. like, the massage therapist, um, at least she realized that it was swelling, but it's also one of those things, like, you don't know exactly what's happening. And so it's like, do I need to go to one of, like, my primary care first or, like... Yeah, so I went to my pain things. management first because it was pain, so I knew it was my pain management. So that but it was it was awful. It was awful. And having to sit that long when your head's swelling and everything, like in the middle of a hospital and you don't know if they're going to Yeah um, get you or not, like Yeah. Another time when I got gaslit medically, I actually made the doctor feel like an idiot. And then he tested me for what I wanted to be tested for. This was before they found my cervical ribs and I was having chest pain. Um, and I have a heart condition and my mother died of uh, a heart of a heart attack at 51 years old. And her first heart attack was at 36. And I was sitting there at 32 with chest, chest pain. Oh my gosh. I am so sorry. Yeah, so I went to the doctor, and he was like, oh, you think it's your heart? And I'm like, oh, here's my history, idiot. Yeah, like, and then he was like so oh, yeah. And then he was like, oh, okay, that's fair. And, I... then he, and then he checked my enzymes to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack, because that's all I wanted, was to make sure it wasn't my heart. And so, um, and that's when they found your the cervical ribs? Nope, I got into a really bad car accident where they had to take yes. x-rays of my head and neck. And that's when they found my cervical ribs. I just don't understand why doctors think. And Justin, uh, my husband, if you listen to our first episode, he even said that because he's in the medical field, he's like, you know, you hear those stories, but you never actually like you want to give the provider the benefit of the doubt. And he's like, but then I see this stuff happen like to me. And he's like, and it's so common. And I'm like, I don't, it shouldn't be common. You know, we shouldn't yeah. be, this shouldn't be like a almost normal thing that you have more bad experiences than good experiences when yeah. you go somewhere that is supposed to help you. Right. You shouldn't need to have a podcast about this stuff. <laughs> right. I know. And um, I'm working with Amanda with to change the norm, too. And I mean, we are doing every we're hitting it from all angles. So we're hitting it from social media to the legislation um, in all of our states. We're doing it from so many angles, but we shouldn't have to, especially right. with like when we already are sick. <laughs> the sick people yeah. shouldn't be the ones that are trying to be like. We need to be treated better, you know? Right. And, like, it's been that historically, um, if you look at how the Americans with Disabilities Act was, is, was passed, it was us that was, oh, come on. 
it was also the disabled people who were like, no, you need to treat us better and we're going to fight for this. And still to this day, we're not treated as equal. Uh, There is no marriage equality. And so we have a lot of work to do in this country. So I really would like to thank you for doing that work and and to thank Change the Norm because we need it. Thank you. I just want people to not to be able to get the health care that they need and not ever feel like they're being judged about it and not ever have those experiences you know like a doctor laughing at you a doctor not paying attention a doctor not running labs to find out that you're in dka that you're in sepsis like all of these different things yeah this is a mission that i want to that i want to right you're gonna take the ball and you're gonna run with it and you're gonna do you're gonna score a touchdown Yes, I'm glad that you can like understand my brain fog because I apparently my brain stopped working about five minutes ago. Um, I I just and when I was listening to different podcasts, I'm like, I want to hear about people that you know have a rare illness or have dealt with something in their life and not someone that has 11 million followers on TikTok. Like, I want to hear from everyday people, and I think that everyone's story deserves to be heard. There's not one person that deserves it more than another person. So I agree. And so again, thank you for this because we need we need exposure. We need everyday stories and we need to make it known how commonplace this BS really is and hopefully start to fix it. Absolutely. And and I also say absolutely a lot. I don't know where that word came from in my vocabulary, but apparently whenever I'm on my podcast, absolutely is the word I use. Um, I am, I, I'm an online teacher and oh. I have to record my lectures. And I start every video with, all right, so. (laughs) And I have to edit my videos. And I can't tell you how many, all right, so's I've edited out. (laughs) I totally understand. Because when I'm re-listening to this, I'm like, I don't remember saying that. (laughs) But I hate listening to myself. I hate my voice. Anyways, is is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Anything, really anything at all? I mean, I've covered everything. I could finish the story of the kidney stone where I started sugar crashing and they wouldn't feed me until Mm -hmm. my blood sugar came back. And then I had to leave AMA. What? Yeah, that's how that ended. They called me a cab and I left. They fed me. I left after six hours of being in the ER. Like I threatened to leave AMA and they, they released me. And you had a kidney stone and you had two all those other things. Yeah, kidney stone two days later. Got, oh, I got a hold of my new PCP because I was new to the area. I didn't have a, I had a PCP appointment, but not till October. So I call, I called them because I was in the hospital and they got me in right away and I brought the kidney stone with me and I'm like, yeah. And then I pissed this out and he was like, oh, that's a kidney stone. And I was like, cool. I, I wish I, I kept guys, it. Like, I told you guys. I'm so proud that you took it into them. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And even my doctor, even my new PCP was appalled at how I was treated at the hospital. I hope that that doctor that your PCP made like a complaint or something with the hospital, because that's what it's going to take too, is like doctors standing up against other doctors, you know, like doctors being like, no, we're not treating people like this. I mean, I filed several complaints with the hospital. Okay. I don't know if they ever if they ever seemed to go to fruition, but the hospital did take my statement and they did apologize to me, but I don't think that's enough because it still happened, you know? 
Exactly. And if you don't know if it's still happening and that's the scary part, is it, is it going to take it being somebody like a provider's family for something to change or is it going to take enough complaints? And it stinks because a lot of people are afraid to make complaints because then if they have a medical emergency in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, they shouldn't retaliate, but what if they do? And exactly. so it's, it's scary to make those complaints. And I, I completely understand and I empathize because I, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. It's, and that's why I agreed to do this because I know I'm not the only one and I know I'm not alone. And by sharing my story, I hope that I can let someone else know that they're not alone and yes. that it, that there are other people out here going through the same thing, doing the damn thing, being successful and just living their life. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. And like I said, I'm really glad you're doing this project. Oh, thank you. And sorry about uh, Nori deciding to be chaotic. In the nah, middle of it. It's okay. <laughs> I feel bad about like my phone dying and cutting us oh, off yeah, several times. And uh, we got it's through it. Yes, we got we through. Did. We did the damn thing. All right. Yes, we did. Thank you again. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Cassie, thank you so much for sitting down and sharing your story with us. We really do appreciate it. And I hope that everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. You are listening to Just Mel's Journey with Friends, the podcast. We'll see you again at the next episode.